Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by BetSports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as he does on Tuesdays, we lend Andy back to the people at BetSports Golf, and we get Mr. Rooney to come in and finally talk some hockey, talk a little baseball. How's it going today, Matt? That's a sharp hat. What are we rocking today? That's a master's hat. That was a, a gift from my my girlfriend's sister who was working the masters this year. She uh, she brought me a, a she brought me back too, a really it? nice hat. Uh, I've been working. I've, it's been getting a lot of wear for me. But I think the real reason Andy's here. Yeah, he's not here on Tuesdays. Uh, he has his golf show. But I think part of it is the Wild got smacked last night, lost four nothing <laughs> home against the Blues. And I don't think he wanted to face the music. Though his under six and a half did hit. So I, I, I asked Andy to give me out a pick. He said under six and a half. That hit because his Wild decided to get shut out um i've been on the wild all year so i should probably take a little bit of flack too but i'm going to give andy some crap first because he likes to give me crap when my team's lose so i'm going to do that for him. <laughs> well that's a perfect lead into we've got the nhl playoffs it's finally happening again still weird that this is in the middle of the nba usually it's so weird done by now but you got a whole bunch of stuff for us here i'm looking at a series bet a series parlay and Maybe yeah, some action tonight. Uh, an award so, bet. I like this. I did. Let's, I did take an award out. futures market. I got a whole lot of pluses on there for you. Um, oh, I love it. I, I, at these early, early on in the series, it's kind of hard to predict games because you don't know. It will be talked about towards the end of the season. You know who's taking a little bit of a, a step back and kind of resting some guys. Who's actually playing for a lot and kind of staying in that midseason form. You don't really know how a lot of these teams are going to start out to their series, and so it's kind of hard to predict those games one and two unders. Like Andy gave you out actually for the the. Uh, uh, wild blues game are actually usually a better idea to take early on in the series because teams feel each other out. But now the counter to that is with these divisional playoffs is these teams know each other so well, there's not a whole lot of a feeling out process. So I, I try and stay away from those a little bit early on in the series and kind of have a better idea late in terms of money lines or props. But I wanted to give out some series bets. I gave out a couple yesterday. Um, these are the ones I, in my blog today. Uh, the, the avalanche I have to sweep the predators four to nothing at plus three seventy five. Um, you could also on, on Caesars, it's plus 220, I think, for Avs to win four to one. I opted to go for the, the better odds and then hope that they do sweep that series. Um, UC Saros, who's the Predators starting goaltender, he's been really good for them all year, is out for at least games one and two with a with a leg injury. So even when he comes back for games three and four, if, if he does, which he's expected to, but even if he does, I mean, obviously, lower body strength is incredibly important to goaltenders, you know, pushing off and getting post to post. Um, so I, I don't think the Predators really stand much of a chance in that series. Do they have a chance to steal a game because the Avs kind of coasted through the end of the season? End of the season? Sure. But I think that's also games one and two. The Avs might be getting back into playoff form, getting back into the swing of things. But the Predators also don't have their starting goalie. So I think that kind of balances each other out there. And the Avs are just a better team. Uh, the Predators have allowed over three goals a game this year. The Avs are one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL this year. If the Preds want to get into a track meet with the Avalanche, that's just not going to go very well for them. Uh, and then then we have a three-leg series parlay. I figure you might like this one. I, I added one more. I was at, I was on two legs and then added a third, and I saw I jumped to plus 471. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going from that for like plus one. I also see a pretty easy fourth leg to add based on your what you just talked about. Probably throwing the as probably throwing the as minus one and a half. I think that was like minus two forty. So I think that was that's what I'm saying. You, you know, you probably could, and it gets it up to plus like you know what six hundred there, plus five fifty, whatever that makes it. So sure, if you want to add that, go for it too. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the Hurricanes because they played last night. Um, I also gave them out 
uh, in yesterday's blog, Hurricanes minus two and a half in that series. I forgot what it was, like plus 350, I think. Uh, they've dominated Boston all year. They, they outscore. I think they beat them like three to nothing, six to nothing, seven to one in their three regular season matchups. So those weren't really all that close. Um, and, and they're just kind of built for playoff hockey. They play really good defense. They've gotten great goaltending all year, though they have some unproven playoff goaltenders. Uh, they can roll four lines. And you saw it last night. Like they, they beat Boston five to one. They got outshot 36 to 25, I believe it was. But like none of those Boston 36 shots or very few of them were in high danger areas and areas that really worried you all that much. Um, so I just I really like Carolina. I think they're playing their best hockey at the right time. And I've been on Florida all year, and I at one point was even fading the Hurricanes around midseason. But the way they're playing towards the end of the regular season, if you wanted to get an Eastern Conference or Cup future on them, I think there's some really good value to do so. Um, Florida Panthers, who I just mentioned at minus one and a half in their series, they have the Capitals, who are a very seasoned veteran playoff team, and I expect them to keep it competitive. But I just don't expect them to be able to take it to seven. I think the Panthers are the deepest team in the playoffs. Um, they can beat you any way that you want to play. Uh, they, they remind me of my Blackhawks kind of dynasty teams. If you want to play fast, the Panthers can play fast. If you want to slow it down, they can slow it down. And when Sergei Bobrovsky, their goalie, is hot, he is just he's he is the best goalie in the NHL. It's just a matter of if and when he's going to be hot. Um, so I, I like them to take care of business in a, a tougher than expected series against the Capitals, but I still expect them to get that done in, in six or less. And the Calgary Flames, uh, they, they've been fantastic all year. They score a ton of goals. They don't allow a lot of goals. Their goalie, Jacob Markstrom, I think he's got a goals against average around 2.2. He's been fantastic this season. Dallas is allowing a lot more goals. They're, they're a team that's, again, similar to Washington. They've been around the playoffs the last few years. They've won some series, but I just I don't really like the way they've been playing this year. Their stars haven't really been their stars, no pun intended, uh, haven't been their best players. Uh, and I think the, the Flames are poised to make a little bit of a run here. Uh, they have a fantastic coach in Daryl Sutter who oversaw those Kings teams that won the the two cups in, in three years or whatever it was in, uh, early on, early in the 2010s. Uh, so I really like them. This is their best chance at a cup they've had in a long time. And I think they got a very good chance to come out of the West. So all of those teams minus one and a half. I like all those teams to win and just basically banking on none of them going to seven. Uh, Patrick has a funny comment in the uh, in the comment section. I should say making fun of the Oilers for having a 40 year old Mike Smith being in net for them. I'm not sure if you know who that is, Alex, but he's been pretty terrible for the last three, four years. And the Oilers just insist on keep run. They're just keeping running him out into the playoffs. And they, they have these high flying fun series and usually lose in six or seven games because their goaltending is awful. Um, and then Kale McCarter. I wouldn't want to do it. No. Well, somebody's got to go out there, but, you know, usually if it's your job to find a better goaltender, maybe maybe don't get a 40-year-old who hasn't been good in 10 years. I would uh, think a younger person would have better reflexes, and maybe that would help. You would think so. That, that by the way, was the only fun – I shouldn't say only fun game, but the, the Oilers-Kings was really the only good game we got last night. It was a 3-3 three to three barn burner. Your guy, Connor McDavid, did some really cool things if you want to go back and watch his highlights. He's not going to win the heart. For I saw you, he scored a goal against the entire team. He did the video it game was, thing. Did, like, boop, did, boop, 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 yeah, did, he's, that highlight was insane. There were, I saw like a couple of screenshots, and it's like he crosses the blue line, and there's three guys just completely surrounding him, and it somehow ends up with him making a move in the pucks in the net. He's it just, looks so easy, too. That's It does. Like, it, it's it not looks, like he bumps anybody. It's just like, oh, let's just go here, then over there, you know. He, he has the most effortless looking speed I think I've ever seen. I've seen him in person, seen him on TV and like, he'll just be at the blue line. And then all of a sudden it looks like he's just skating and he's just flown by all the defenders. It's, it's insane to watch. He's, he's fantastic, but his team, his general manager, 
general manager needs to get his team a goaltender. Um, and then Kale McCarter in the con Smythe, I've talked about him on the show a couple times this year. He is one of, if not the best defenseman in hockey, he's had 86 points in 77 games. I know we, it's a little bit more commonplace now to see defensemen that score, but he's a defenseman that score that also plays defense. Not like one of these Eric Carlson types, that's, you know, a defensive liability that will be, you know, a hundred point season, but still finish with a, with a minus rating. He's at 86.77 games. He was close to plus 50 on the year. So he plays defense. He, he kills penalties for them. I think he's averaging just under a minute and a half shorthanded time. So he's not their top penalty killer, but he can kind of do everything for you on the ice. And if the Avs make a run, he's going to fit a factor into a, a lot of their offense. He's going to be helping them out in the defensive end. And if a defenseman makes a run for a cup team and has a, a point per game playoff, um, he's going to be right there in the thick of things for the con Smythe. So I really like his chances on a very deep avalanche forward group to take the standout defenseman that can kind of do it all. And honestly has an outside chance to lead the avalanche in scoring in the playoffs with the mega cup. So the so con Smythe is playoff MVP. the NHL finals MVP, just all, overall playoffs. So not oh. NBA has NBA finals. NHL has uh playoff MVP. So just throughout the, the, the entirety of the playoffs. That's kind of cool. That's an interesting award. So even whether or not you're in the finals, you always have a good shot at it if your team, you know, makes mm -hmm. a good run. I mean, have they ever given it to anybody who like lost in the first or second round? No. So you won't see anybody that, you know, doesn't make the Stanley Cup finals usually. And it's it's rare, but you will see like an eight, say an eight seed uh, makes a run to the Stanley Cup finals and their goalie's fantastic and they lose in five, you know, six or seven games. I think the last one was uh, Jean Sebastian Jaguer for the Ducks in the early 2000s. Hell, hell of a name. Yeah, I think, I believe he's the last uh, non Stanley Ducks. Cup winner to take home the Cons for the Ducks. But yeah, if you make a if you make a Cinderella run to a cup and you're a goalie who's going on these insane streaks and kind of is the reason your team is there, you'll get some consideration. Maybe you won't win it, but you'll get some votes. And it's hard to win it if you don't win the cup, but it's not impossible. Makes perfect sense to me. Now, let's get to stuff that I know a little bit more about here. There is two NBA games tonight, and sometimes, Matt, it's good to bet early. Sometimes it's good to bet late, and, and that's what I'm going to do here. I look at both of these games, and I like Milwaukee again in this spot, but Boston continues to take money. So I think I'm going to wait at this point. I mean, the Bucks played a really good game. We have we know that there was no Chris Middleton. It looks like Marcus Smart is questionable. So, you know, instead of having to deal with him getting knocked out and then sort of coming back in, it looks like he might just miss the game, which is a pretty big piece. And I think that Boston will maybe be a little better prepared for that. And I see why people are betting the Celtics. I mean, they shot 33% in that first game. They're going to have a better night shooting. Um, but there was a lot of things that went their way. I mean, they were pretty close in offensive rebounding, which they really hadn't been during their other matchups against the Bucs. The Bucs usually have an advantage there. But Boston will turn the ball over a little bit less. So decent bounce back spot here for Boston. But Milwaukee won that game by 12 and was up by much more at, at certain spots. I mean, I was really impressed by the Bucs. And I will probably grab the Bucs plus five, but it keeps moving. I think we might see a five and a half i think we might see a six so put a pin in that folks if you see bucks five and a half six grab some of that i'll make sure i'll toss it on betsperts and then the other line the warriors grizzlies that game um the total for that game opened 217 i believe closed near 220 221 last time maybe a little higher than that but we saw a game that had a total of 233 in actuality with some pretty solid shooting. The Grizzlies are 40% from three, the Warriors 37% from three. Now, certain players could have shot better or worse, but 
surprised to see the total not only be much higher here at 227, but it's being bet up. I'm going to wait on this one again and probably take an under. I think we'll have a little bit of regression in terms of shooting. I think the pace will be down. I mean, we had a um, 188 shots in that game, which is just crazy for the way the playoffs has been. Draymond Green will be back for the entire game, obviously. So I think we'll see a slower pace. I think we'll see a slight regression in shooting. And I will bet the under here. But again, I'm going to wait. It's open at 226, 227. It's slowly ticking up. So if you see 229, grab it. But again, I'll post both of those on BetSports. You can follow me there, Alex Christensen. Again, like the Bucks plus the points and the under in the second game. But both are moving against me, and I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'm very surprised to see that Celtics line is so far in favor of the Celtics. Not necessarily surprised they're favorites, but five-point favorites after what the Bucks did in game one. I, I know, like you said, Celtics didn't shoot right or shoot great, excuse me. But if Marcus Smart's not fully healthy or not playing, I, I just I don't I would love to grab the Bucks at five or six. Yeah, the case for the Celtics again, the poor shooting, and then it's easier knowing he's not going to be in than what they dealt with last game, having him okay. come out, having him go back in at less than 100%. So you have a couple points of natural sort of regression here for Boston. And, you know, they definitely don't want to go down 2-0 in the series. So they'll try extra super hard tonight. But, <laughs> uh, again, I think the shooting will regress for Boston. The turnovers will drop, and they'll get a little more handle of things. I mean, in general, I have this line closer to three, you know, and as we've seen with the playoffs, it closed at four and a half, five the first game and just opened right there. So that's kind of what happens. It's hard to make an adjustment for one game, but I see a lot of reasons still to like Milwaukee. I liked them in the first game anyway, so I'm happy to take them at a little better number now. Um, but I get the case for Boston. I do. Yeah. That is, that's my favorite analysis in a playoff series. They definitely don't want to go too, down 2-0. Well, they, they definitely didn't want to go down 1-0 either. It still didn't really work stopping them there. <laughs> you know, you make a great point. A lot of people always make the point that the other team will try hard, but you're right. They probably didn't want to go down 1-0. So how can you trust a team with a plan, right? I'm sure, I'm sure the team up 1-0 would really love to go up 2-0 and rather not go 1-1. <laughs> All right, let's get to some baseball. And it looks like we have some afternoon baseball. I don't know if you bet the afternoon games, but maybe I'll put on Braves, Mets, and take a nap this afternoon or something. But what I, do you got for I us? I did not bet any of the afternoon games. We do have some rivalry games here, and there, there's one that if I didn't bet, I think uh, our, our boss, Reed, might let me go or put me in some trouble <laughs> here. Uh, I'm taking the White Sox, minus one and a half at the Cubs, plus 125. One, I have to. It's just I'm a White Sox fan. I'm a White Job Sox homer. I'm going to do that. But there's also some underlying metrics, whatever you want to say, stats that are kind of trending towards that way. The White Sox um, had a very bad April. Their first two games to start May, though, their offense is showing some signs of, of snapping out of their slump just a little bit. Uh, and they're going up against the lefty and Drew Smiley, who is, hasn't really been all that good the last few years. And the White Sox hit lefties a whole lot better. Uh, they have Michael Kopech going on the mound for them today. Uh, today. He's been really good all season. Um, if he can give them five good innings against the Cubs lineup that has, after starting hot, started to sputter a little bit. Um, I really like the White Sox to kind of stay hot in a hitter's ballpark there in Wrigley. Granted, the weather's not going to be great tonight. I think it's still raining outside my window, so I might. Uh, this one might have a slight chance of, of starting a little bit later. Hopefully it stops by then. But I just I like the White Sox laying the one and a half against a, a bad Cubs team against a bad left-handed pitcher that they, they usually hit pretty well. And Giants, Dodgers, first five under three and a half. Uh, basically, this is just looking at the pitching matchup. It's Carlos Rodon, who's been one of the best pitchers in the NL this year, going against going up against Julio Urias, who's been, again, a very good pitcher in the NL and has been very good for the Dodgers the last few years. Uh, he is one home start. He was pretty dominant when five innings, just one, uh, one hit, no runs. 
Rodon, I believe, is leading the NL in strikeouts. If he's not leading, he's right up there. He's been really good. Obviously, the Dodgers lineup uh, is capable of putting up three and a half, four runs in an inning at any time. Uh, but with this pitching matchup, I just I really like playing the the under three and a half at minus one fifteen. I can dig it. I like it. You know, I love a first five. First five is fun. It was one of the things I think about if I ever do get into handicapping baseballs, I'll probably start there. They seem like really interesting bets and you can control. You don't have to watch the whole innings either. That's you don't have to pay attention. You're not committing to four and a half hours. You're committing to two hours. That is less baseball. Mm-hmm. They have like, oh, maybe I'll just do first inning. That'll be good. Like right in. Those are fun. First <laughs> inning unders are a lot of fun. They're they're an electric ride. They're a fun roller coaster. Speaking of fun, they continue to play tennis, and we've got some interesting bets this afternoon. Let me just double check the Andreescu Pegula batch is on right now. Let's see how our over is doing. First half over, catches 7-5 there, and it looks like we're in good shape for our full game over. We'll see how that goes. But a couple more bets, one I talked about yesterday for this afternoon, and then one that will be earlier tomorrow. Again, Emma uh, Raducanu is playing this afternoon. Let me just double-check the time. I believe it's right around 2 o'clock Eastern or so. Yeah, it looks like it'll be 2 o'clock Eastern, no earlier than that. And i like her to beat um, Annalena Kalanina. As I talked about yesterday, just a lot of little things working on our favor here. A, I think it's hard for the market to assess um, Emma, given that she's played such little clay tennis in general, only has, I believe this is her second tournament at the WTA level on the surface. She's going against Kalanina, who is getting a lot of credit for just having beaten Barbina Muguruza. And Kalanina, again, is going to have a little bit of a down match. We see that time and time again when players beat the best player they've ever faced. There's generally a little bit of a downswing in the next match. So I like Emma. I think she's being a little underrated and we have Kalanina being a little overrated. So I'll lay the two and a half games. I believe that is still open just about everywhere if you don't have it already. And then early tomorrow morning, again, should be no earlier than 6 o'clock Eastern, I believe. So Mona Halep is going to play Owens Jabor. And I'll lay the four games with her at plus 110. And then I also was able to find an alt at minus 5 for plus 170 for do a full unit on the first, half unit on the second. If you look around, she's minus 3.5 just about everywhere. That's a perfectly fine bet. I, I like 4 a little bit better. The way I look at the match, if Halep wins this, which I really like her in this spot. She has been playing some great tennis. has been really comfortable, starting to look a little like herself. And if she wins this match, it's going to be by a lot. Uh, Jabor is someone who we've seen as later in tournaments, starts to get a little fatigued and lose matches quickly. And if Halep puts one on her, We'll get it done. So although my dog is barking, I'm going to take the favorite anyway. Um, I'm in. <laughs> I usually just blindly follow your tennis bets anyways. I'm in. I love alt overs or alt, you know, alt spreads that give you that much more extra juice in your favor. So I'm, I'm in. <laughs> A little hard to find, but if you look around, just about all the legal books have some version of this. Um, our sponsor definitely does a couple other spots, and you can definitely look at some offshores. But again, worst case, just take Hallett minus three and a half. It's a nice spot, but no reason to lay juice again. If she wins, I think it's by a lot. Maybe look at some 2-0 or something like that. But for sports today, anything else we got to cover here, Braddy, before telling the people to check out the bets where it's golf when they're done and uh, you know, give us all the thumbs up and whatnot? We had some hockey breaking news come across the uh, the wire that's that's got to be intriguing to you. Your Flyers fired their second head coach in, in of the season. <laughs> they let go of Mike Yo today after firing a. That's got to be. What, what are you, what are your thoughts? Some analysis on there. Well, we're just setting records in Philadelphia. I mean, it's there you go. I think a lot of teams have had multiple coaches, but I don't know if I've ever heard one being outright fired at the end of his term during the middle of the season. Yeah, usually usually they let him go a little longer, but no, he's gone. So you got two gone in Philly. 
Well, that's good. Change is, is a good thing based on what happened this season. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the new coach? I mean, no, no one hired or anything or yet. It's, it, honestly, it was probably just a formality. Usually it was, you know, you fire a head coach early, you, ha- you hire an interim coach. He doesn't do well. and He's just kind of a dead man walking and gets fired too. So no, no new thoughts. <laughs> just wanted You're to right, bring Dan. that Let's fun get the flyers back going. Up. Let's get the momentum going on Philly coach firing. Let's keep the ball, that ball rolling. <laughs> But thanks. I know where you go. I know where you're going with that. That's I think a lot of people do. (laughs) Thanks everybody for watching. We appreciate it. Thumbs up, like, rate, review, do all that good stuff. Andy will be back tomorrow. But if if you got some time, hop on over and watch one Betsbert's golf. We'll see you tomorrow.